I'm here with Cherno Ba, editor and co-founder of Africanus Press. Cherno has a PhD from Northwestern University and is currently a postdoc fellow there. And your project is with the Chabria Center? Yes, I currently hold a postdoctoral fellowship with the Chabria Center for Historical Studies at Northwestern University and is a postdoc that allows me to do a public service, basically to, to carry out a transnational project that is bringing together academics who specialize on various subjects, including economics and uh, statistics and the historians, epidemiologists, and also uh, bring together journalists. It's a project that seeks to bring together journalists from Africa and other parts of the world and academics in Africa and outside of Africa to develop a database that will map out what we call illicit financial flows and, for lack of a better word, money laundering operations and the massive loot of finance and resources from West Africa to various parts of the world, where basically for the last five years, we focused our attention to Sierra Leone, reporting specifically the ongoing loot of the national treasury by leading politicians that include the president, the wife of the president, and senior government officials. Now we're broadening out that project to include three other additional countries in West Africa that we call that constitute what is referred to as the Mano River region of West Africa. And these are the countries of Sierra Leone, Liberia, Ivory Coast, and Guinea Conakry. So these four countries constitute a sub regional group that was formed in 1975 called the MRU, the Mano River Union. So we're looking at the Mano River corridor of West Africa to examine basically from 1975 up to the present the various actors, institutions, and individuals who have been active in the region and participating in what we call organized crime, financial crime and corruption, the loot of public finances, the loot of resources. And then our goal is not just to map out this massive loot of public funds, but also to create a database that um, examines in each country what the loss of these revenues have uh, the impact of that on social mm. service delivery, on healthcare, wow. agriculture, and basically what will these monies might have provided? Right. Economic and social, economic and social development projects that may have been realized as a consequence of this. Because why is this important? Is the fact that um, this particular region is endowed with all kinds of resources from diamonds, gold, bauxite, aluminium platinum, all kinds of mineral wealth and all kinds of environmental resources. Uh, Liberia, for example, has been the home of the Firestone Rubber Company. And you cannot talk about tires, the tire industry without Liberia. Similarly, many people are familiar with the blood diamond story. Right. And uh, that is Sierra Leone as one of the largest deposits of diamonds. It depicts the impact the massive loot of uh, natural resources, how the presence of these resources and the competition for control of strategic resources in that area has resulted into civil wars, into military coups, instability, political crisis, and, and all of that. So we basically, this project seeks to draw out a model for investigating illicit financial flows and at the same time providing a template in how we monitor these flows. I would think that the Millennial Challenge Corporation, if they're there to do what they say they're there to do, 
would be very interested in using this, your project could end up being a model for other places. So we have a lot of clips and a lot, a lot to talk about. Just earlier this week, maybe you can explain this a little bit. This is a scorecard by the Millennium Challenge Corporation. The Millennium Challenge Corporation is a U.S. agency that is supposedly providing what they call grant money to African governments to support development projects. And part of the criteria for that is the fact that there has to be a good democratic environment. They have to pass a number of scores, and pretty much many of the scores deals with transparency, accountability, democracy, and principles that enhance social and economic development, and as well the quality of governance, the quality of the kind of uh, democratic environment is crucial. And their their statement said that Sierra Leone did well in, the quote was, control of corruption and democratic rights, and I believe it was in half of the points? Yes, the for the last couple of years, the United States uh, Millennium Challenge Corporation has been giving the current government of Sierra Leone high scores, both on uh, rating it highly on its democratic credentials, and they have also been saying that the country is passing the control of corruption. And this is in spite of the fact that we have published documentary evidence showing massive evidence of graft and corruption across the government, including the illegal use of public funds by the president, the wife of the president, and other family members of the president. So these are supported by all kinds of financial documents that we have published and that are available in the public uh, space. In fact, the government claims that the, since the United States is not bothered about the corruption that is ongoing and the MCC, the Millennium Challenge Corporation, has been rating the government as a transparent government, so they do not care whether the people of Sierra Leone or any other journalist in Sierra Leone is publishing documentary evidence showing that the government is corrupt, that public funds are being looted, that there is a massive mismanagement of public finances by the president and leading officials of the government. So they also put out a clip I'd like to play, sort of clarifying, I think, exactly what this scorecard meant. So the scorecard is only a first step. The scorecard means that the board can now consider whether Sierra Leone should be continue, continue its eligibility for a compact, and then it would need to decide to move forward with the compact. So I consider it to be an important first step, but it's certainly not the end of the journey. Uh, when we look at whether or not a country should receive an MCC compact, we look not only at the scorecard results, which tell us only that you're doing better than half of the other developing countries in the world, we also look at the broader trajectory of a country's economic, social, and democratic development. Uh, The multi-tier elections of 2023 raised some serious questions, both domestically and internationally, about the path of Sierra Leone's democracy. I think the agreement for national unity has moved us 
a certain amount of the way back towards where we need to be uh, in terms of democratic development. And I hope that as that agreement is implemented, as the committee begins its work, um, as we see some of the other provisions implemented, that we'll see Sierra Leone continue along that democratic trajectory. And then we'll be able to make an assessment that, yes, now is the time to move forward with, with a compact. So the scorecard is a first step, certainly an important first step, but it's a much longer journey. It's an important clarification. And to me, I think, well, they should be interested in your work because there's a lot that they need to look into. I would think if they're giving all this money to Sierra Leone that they would like to know what's going on. And I think we'll show throughout this interview that Africanus Press has done an excellent job as the fourth estate. I've got another great clip that I would love to show. It's Nils Meltzer, who is the former UN Rapporteur on Torture. And he is talking about the fourth estate, which I think is what you, Africanist Press, has done in Sierra Leone. The role of the media and of the press is not to entertain us. It is to empower us, right? Today, they only entertain us, to distract us. But they're not supposed to do that. They're, they're supposed to focus our attention, to empower us, to, to observe and supervise how government is being conducted. And if something doesn't work or there's misconduct, they're supposed to, pub to inform the public. So the public can now, through democratic means, you know, take you know, the consequences and basically uh, elect other representatives or whatever, or the judiciary can, based on this information, initiate investigations and so on. So the media has a crucial role in society. That's why they're called the fourth estate. The mainstream media has increasingly kind of dropped this a hot potato and turns to just entertain people and, and make money with people and, you know, advertisements and these types of things, but they're no longer actually empowering the people as, as supposed, they're supposed to do in democracy. So now, because they left this gap, you have a kind of a rogue actor coming in like WikiLeaks and saying, okay, hold on, we'll inform you, you know, and we'll establish a platform where whistleblowers which means employees of government or of companies that observe misconduct and that report that misconduct internally, but that those companies and the governments, they're not taking care of that, they're not doing anything about it, then they can actually submit this information anonymously to WikiLeaks and WikiLeaks will publish it and thereby empower the public again to, you know, to have that information and to, to, to take the measures that are necessary to correct that. So that's really the role that they have. They're, they're somehow like, I always say whistleblowers, uh, which are the people that supply WikiLeaks with information. Um, they're the alarm system of a democratic society. Do you want to talk a little bit about the sacking of, what was it, over 170 civil servants in the finance ministry? The current president uh, came to power in 2018 on a campaign promise to fight corruption and to address the misuse of public finances, including the use of international travel as a means to loot money. What does that mean is the fact that public officials in Sierra Leone, both in the past and in the present, and still a practice ongoing, will attend international conferences. Wherever international conferences are happening, 
they're always traveling. And when they travel, they withdraw tons of money and uh, travel with it in cash abroad. And they go back to the country without any of these funds. They basically have accounts in international banks in Europe, in Asia, and in the United States, and in other parts of the world where they deposit this money. So you could call that a money, an illegal money trafficking process. But then it will appear on the surface that this is a legal way because they will argue that they are entitled to PADMs, they are entitled to travel impress, to travel money, travel expenditure. But the president uses 100 times more what is in the books. So they, they use international travel as a basis to loot public funds, to transfer these monies abroad. Because if you're doing a wire transfer from a bank to bank transfer, sometimes you, it, large amounts of money has to be flagged. And you have to have a reason for why these monies are moving. But when diplomats, public officials who travel on a diplomatic passport are now traveling with huge cash in their briefcases, they have a justification that, you know, this is basically for their hotel expenditure and other costs. So what we discovered is the fact that through our investigation, we looked at the accounts, the local and overseas travel account of the president. Like in this case, you see nearly $300,000 uh, for a three-day or four-day trip to Japan. But that is what the president took with him and his wife. And the wife of the president is not entitled. The spouse of the president, according to Israeli Union law, is not supposed to receive public funds. It's not supposed to be a direct recipient of public funds. So we found out that by examining the financial statements of the government of Israel Union and the bank record, we noticed a recurring practice of the ongoing loot and transfer of public funds through international travel. So which is why the current president has traveled more than any other president we've had since 1961. And in the process, he has also looted and transferred on each occasion tons of money. And each of those funds, you know, if he goes out of the country with a million dollars, on one occasion in 2020, he traveled out of the country to Lebanon with over a million dollars. None of that came back. So the question is, what happened? How did he spend the money? What I'm pointing at is, this is the kind of information that we have been producing. Bank statements, financial letters, correspondences, which and uh, checks, details of the government's transaction, the president's office, the wife of the president, the chief minister, and other leading officials, how they are using, just withdrawing cash and taking it out of the country or taking it to different locations in the region in Africa. And because the government could not find out how we got access to they cannot deny the evidence right. these records they thought that um the audit service which is the agency the national agency that's responsible for the inspection of public expenditure will have been the only people who will have access to these records and right so also, they they got rid of over 170 yeah, yeah. they got rid of uh, the auditor general and all of the other members of the internal audit service in the ministry of finance in total without but this is without any evidence that any yeah. of these people leaked anything to you or were responsible in any way correct oh, oh yes and they did not make a pretense that um they were dismissing these people simply because um, they, they, they said it explicitly that they believe these individuals were responsible for leaking this. But it turned out um, these were just casualties, innocent individuals mm-hmm. who became casualties of the government effort. Right. Well, I, it sends I, this I, message that it's a, it's to silence people, to yeah. even though they're not obviously 170 people, and you're, you don't give up your sources, 
We don't know where, how it came to you. It's clear that they didn't really care if any of those people were responsible, that it was just a sign. It's a silencer. It's to silence people. So you said he appointed, he then appointed his own people and they are, are they, do I have this right? Are they now paid more than the the old auditors? Yeah. um, What the, what the government has been doing is to staff public institutions um, that are responsible for enforcing transparency mechanisms, you know, appointing party officials, members of the ruling party, his own party supporters, uh, leading party members into strategic to head these institutions. And then what that does is that it helps to mask and hide the government's ongoing loot of public finances. So basically, the government has dismantled the entire anti-corruption mechanism within government, the entire transparency system within government. We, As we speak, the country has gone on for more than two years without an auditor general, which is against the law. You cannot spend public funds without being audited. That is why it becomes a problem when the Millennium Challenge Corporation and other international agencies, including the International Monetary Fund, who claim to impress upon governments or their partners the need to enforce accountability mechanisms, are still, with all this massive evidence of the dismantling of the audit service and the dismissal of public internal auditors within government in Sierra Leone, they're still claiming that the government is committed to the fight against corruption. So this is like them endorsing the government's lack of adherence to probity, lack of adherence to the principles of good governance and accountability, transparency, and the fight against corruption. They've normally. Well, I'd like to think that maybe they just don't know, but we'll yes. find out because I think um, obviously your publication has gotten a lot of attention in the country um, and from officials, it seems. Uh, so, I mean, it's mentioned in this Al Jazeera clip. Uh, sort of not by name, but apparently the U.S. officials that are there with this MCC aren't aware of of all of this. So I think hopefully they'll learn some of this and they shouldn't get the scorecard if they know what's really happening. I think um, at the local level, at the embassy level, there is no foreign diplomat or representative of an international organization in Sierra Leone who is not aware of the volume of information that we've published. Mm-hmm. And that discussion has happened both within Australian and outside of Australian. But you're right in pointing out that potentially people in the foreign office in London, people in the State Department in Washington, D.C., and in other places where some of these decisions are discussed may have been misled by mm-hmm. local representatives who are trying very hard to launder the image of the government simply because mm-hmm. you know, it's a case of where international financial interests get entangled with the corrupt local politics and politicians on the ground and the question right uh, um, so i want to i want to play i tried to cut this down as as small as i could i do want to say that the first lady made a video addressing cherno by name multiple times and it went on for 27 minutes So I have cut it down to two minutes and 49 seconds, but I want to play it because it's very important, I think, in in what occurred after, after that. I just want to clarify one thing first, though. So in this clip, she does say, uh, you know, you show me where I put money in my private account. But do you want to explain that? Because a first lady, she's not supposed to have her own separate 
bank account. And that's what you uncovered. Is that correct? So she's kind of splitting hairs there saying it's not her private account, but yeah, yeah. the wife or the spouse of a president under Australian law is not entitled to receive directly receive public funds. Basically the office of the first lady is not an institution of government. It is just what you might call a non-governmental entity. Mm-hmm. Under Australian law, it should not be funded. So before the publication of the African Express, people have been questioning the first lady regarding the sources of her finance for the other kind of activities that she claims she was carrying out. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. has said in Sierra Leone and outside of Sierra Leone, including interviews that she has granted in the Gambia and in other locations across the world, that monies that she was spending were not coming from the government of Sierra Leone, that the government of Sierra Leone had never, you know, the government has not provided her with a single cent. That money that she was using was money that she and her husband had worked and saved in the UK while they were there before becoming pre- before the husband became president. So we knew that was a complete uh, false. It was, it was not true. It was a lie. So what the African Express tried to show is not just to say that the first lady was misleading the public, was lying to the public, but we actually published bank evidence showing that the first lady is not just a constant personal recipient of public funds, that the first lady had a bank account in the mm-hmm. Central Bank of Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. Basically, we uncovered evidence showing that the, for, the government of Sierra Leone on the 26th of June 2018 had for the first time instructed the Bank of Sierra Leone, which is a central bank, like the national mm-hmm. treasury, equivalent of the national treasury of the United States, set up a bank account for the office of the first lady, where we discovered money, public funds, budgetary allocations were directly mm-hmm. sent. And this is not just say, showing that the first lady was misleading the public, but it was an illegal arrangement. Mm-hmm. Well, I also, the way she kind of says, yeah. he's doing, the, the president believes in equality. That, like, yeah. that's the yeah. reason. It was yeah. just, so, yeah, I want to play this. Illegality, because the law does not allow that. And the Minister of Finance had no right, had no authorization to allocate funds mm-hmm. that was never approved by Parliament. So parliamentarians, when this publication came out, said they were shocked because, according to them, there was no budgetary line in the budgetary mm. estimate that showed that the Minister of Finance was allocating money. Now, right. the argument of the First Lady was that the President, because she's married to the President, so she was carrying out these activities, was receiving, she admitted receiving public funds, and was now arguing that the funds were used to promote the fight against um, teenage pregnancy and the protection of the rights of women and girls. And we did not stop there. We went as far as showing that, in fact, it's not just the illegal allocation of public funds, the secret allocation of public funds to the First Lady. The funds were also not used right. the for which they were given. This particular one is even, this is separate from the, these are basically monies that she was directly receiving when she's uh-huh. traveling with her husband. There's okay. another one where you yeah. have the, direct, the bank statement itself. Yeah where the Minister of Finance was allocating constantly. In fact, we discovered that she was receiving more money than other government ministries, agencies, and departments. So mm-hmm. government ministries and departments like the Gender Affairs Ministry, Social Welfare Ministry, was receiving less budgetary allocation. Mm-hmm. And the First Lady was receiving two times more than 
what the legal government institutions that are supposed to carry out this the campaign well, that she was carrying out were receiving. The money was not also spent according to what they were claiming they were spent because we showed that she claimed she was buying furniture recording. Basically, the money was just looted and transferred. That's on one occasion. We also published evidence showing that apart from these established bank accounts in the central bank, the first lady and the president has a foundation that they call the Mada and the Fatima and Mada Bio, uh, for a charity organization that they had incorporated in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. which they had established in Sierra Leone following becoming president. And they had a bank account in a private bank. And we also showed where the first lady was writing letters soliciting contributions from government officials and from private organized business people to contribute money to her, the foundation that's owned by her and the president. Uh-huh. We published Sounds those familiar. We published those letters and we also did not just publish them. We showed that recipients of those letters, businessmen and government ministries, government officials who received those letters actually made direct contributions to the private bank account, the charity, the private bank, for play. bank. And then she was promising them that in return for their contributions, mm-hmm. they were going to attend a, an annual dinner that she's hosting each year where these businessmen, based on their contributions, will have either a front row seat or a middle or in the back, depending on how, how high your contribution is. Uh-huh. They will have an opportunity of dining with the president and also meeting with the president to discuss business opportunities. So basically, it's a case of where the wife of the president was peddling the position and influence of her husband in exchange mm-hmm. for financial right. funds. And we did not just, we showed where that is a separate account. So the information we have published is basically supported in each case by documentary evidence, bank statements, letters, correspondences, the transfer of funds, and these are still out there in the public. And nobody in government has denied that any of our publications... That also sounds familiar. And the the wife of the president testified and admitted to Mm -hmm. having received. Okay, so let's let's play her clip because it's important of what happens afterwards. But again, this was 27 minutes long, and I cut it down to under three minutes. So here we go. So all the critics, I do appreciate when you critique me. I just get quick, quick, quick. Thing I just want address. I want address my big brother, Chernobyl. It begin for makeup stories where they are so not true. Now I wake up this morning and I see Chernobyl don't go busy with uh, Fatima Marabio. Or office of the first lady. I truly appreciate what in Chernobyl do or what you write. I appreciate them. So I just want for re-educate them again, so that it will understand. Say, when we say we do, do investigative journalism, we for do investigative journalism with fact and not fiction and no malice. Now you come up with this elaborative story about the office of the first lady. When I read all of the nonsense we I read, at first, I just say, you know what, it's a garbage. Just put on a bin and go. But because I don't get so many people where they're concerned about it and they ask too many questions, I thought, okay, now I can address you small. Because sometimes, unless you re-educate an educated fool, 
you know go able forget things then right the office of the first lady Chelmo, just in case if you know no is they under the office of the president then that is when i know say you get your facts then right me fatim my mother bio i don't take one penny from the state money and put them into my private account until you show me when i steal money and put into my private account then i know say sir you are talking rubbish and you're writing rubbish Cherno, make I remind you. Tell me, Mr. Chernoba, you that know everything, tell me how they will know what will they do in this country. Today, Sierra Leone is one of the best countries where the world they make us an example today. You know why? Because we are transparent and because we come out and make let the world know, say, this government is a different kind of government. And the reason why the president empowered the first lady just because you don't know but mr bar now because we presidents believe in equality gender equality chairman go get your facts there right because you know what we get a whole lot of vulnerable people the way you lies them will just traumatize them and will just add you know uh, uh stress for them if you cannot solve this country in problem don't add stress for our people the part where she's like don't add stress for our people that's just oh and, and this idea that, you know, that journalism operating as the fourth estate, as Nils Meltzer says, is to is to empower people. And when you when you say that those facts that are released are the, what is inciting violence or, or opposition or dissidents, it's that is saying it's like shooting the messenger. Right. So I and on that note, if you want to talk about inciting violence. So that video came out, it was a Facebook Live video in January 2021, and then your death threats began shortly after that, right? Yes, for the last three years since the publication of that. Here's an uh, example of one. Yeah, since the publication of that, uh, since you've made that broadcast, supporters of the president, known supporters of the president, including journalists who are members of the ruling party, including uh, political party leaders, and uh, as you can see, the evidence you've shown here, have constantly harassed me. They have uh, issued death threats. They have um, written openly public opinion articles in which some of them even called for my extradition. They have even also asked or advocated that treason charges should mm -hmm. be brought against me for um, publishing all of this information. So... There has been an escalated campaign of calumni, campaign of death threats, harassment, all kinds of harassment against me and uh, members of the African Union. And this is what was translated into the attack on the civil service, where members of the civil service, finance officers, whose, whose responsibility is to ensure that government acts according to the law, use public finances according to the stipulated rules and regulations, have been hounded out of government simply because the government thinks that they have a right to misuse public funds. They are entitled to loot the national treasury and deprive Sierra Leoneans of the resources that are meant to provide the much-needed social services, the much-needed health care, the much-needed funding, real funding to fund education, and all the other problems that people are faced with. We are talking about a country where 90% or more of the country is still unpaved. We're talking mm -hmm. about a country where the majority of the young population is still unemployed. People mm -hmm. go to school and come out of school with their degrees and do not have a start in life. That mm -hmm. is, that is why, because mm -hmm. 
the natural resources, the finances that are there have been constantly looted by these politicians who think they can loot public. They have a license mm-hmm. in public funds right. go out, get away with it. So that is why mm-hmm. the wife of the president has the courage to come on television and incite, not just insult a journalist who publishes documentary evidence showing the flagrant misuse of public funds, but also incites supporters of her husband's party, supporters of the ruling party, to go on the rampage to seek to kill or assassinate a, you know, the journalist who mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. And You know, this idea, any idea that calling out corruption in your own government is against, is like here we hear, you know, oh, you're, you're not patriotic, you're anti-US or you, um, you're, yeah, it's treason. But I've heard several people recently, I've actually got more clips I didn't put in here now, but um, there was a recently in the U.S. a State Department official that resigned. And, you know, it was mixed response to him. I think it was still overwhelmingly positive. But one of the things, you know, I kept seeing is people saying that, oh, it's treason or he's not, you know, he's anti-American. And and these, these clips that I found were from um, some pretty prominent journalists, authors, historians history a uh, history professor that wrote a book in search of monsters to destroy we're saying that no that is in fact being patriotic that when you call because you want your government to be better so this notion that you're being again no you're against the the current state the current like corruption but that does not make you it doesn't make it treason it should be the other way around you know but you mentioned the parliament. I want to play that short clip that is actually shorter. Do you want to set this up? You were explaining to me that this is a little bit of theater. Yes, because the parliamentarians claimed that they were unaware that the wife of the president was a constant recipient of public funds, was receiving budgetary allocations, apart from the PADMs and other. And they wanted, according to them, they were calling for the Ministry of Finance and the Bank Governor to appear to, they were summoning them to come to Parliament to explain how this happened, because according to them, they never approved the use of such funds or the allocation of such funds. That means it's a criminal offence. So, but nothing happened after that. Why were they doing that? Because at this point, we had already discovered that a large sector of the opposition was already compromised, and a large sector of the civil society movement was also compromised. They were actually defending the government. They were pretending to probe into the evidence, but they never did anything. So it was a case of making a show so that people, because people were raising questions. People Right. Well, as she said in the clip, you make people ask too many questions. I found that kind of funny too. But anyway, here's this. Everybody was now, the conversation around Mm -hmm. Nature of the government was not a was not a myth. It was a reality, right? Uh, and people were actually faced with the evidence in their own hands of what right. was happening. And so that's the that is the power of a publisher like yourself that you aren't just. It's not your opinion. You're showing documents. But here's the clip of this from Parliament. Um, all members of Parliament here present are very glued to their phones and. We follow the social media trend by the minute. What we have on social media is a worrisome trend, and by one Sierra Union chairman, who is producing documents regarding the office of the first lady that are on social media, and these uh, uh, documentations are on social media. We want uh, to your office to have the 
the people responsible in the Ministry of um, Finance to come and explain to us and say unions on this volume of trade. Because what happens is, it is not just producing documents, it is producing bank evidences that have to do with the central bank. If the, the bank governor and the, 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 all the other people there in finance will come to this house and explain to us, because it, it has a tendency of creating misinformation. If the information is at all correct, let them come again to this house and explain to us what is happening. Because when you look at all the uh, budget planning we have produced, I don't think there is anything that has to do with the office of the First Lady. But if we're seeing withdrawals, I hope those informations are not true. But if they are true, let them come and tell us and explain to us the withdrawals that we are seeing on social media. Thank you very much.